Here we are in the bleak streets of London's King's Cross and uh, very near the new Channel Tunnel uh, terminus at St Pancras Station and you can probably hear trains in the background. And we're outside Gagosian Gallery and on the door it says Crash. And the exhibition inside is a homage to the late writer J.G. Ballard, a writer who is as important for artists as he is for literary types, as well as being an extremely entertaining science fiction writer in his earlier years. Ballard's visions of a kind of modern dystopia had struck a chord with contemporary artists, rather like those other writers, W.G. Zabold and Samuel Beckett. He means as much to artists as he does to the literary world. And we're going to go in and see this show now. Thank you very much. Thanks. Entering the gallery, the first thing that strikes you, that almost hits you, that almost knocks you in the face, is a set of four tyres, four enormous tyres that are connected to the wrecked undercarriage of a Boeing 747. There it is, like a sculpture, angling up off the floor. It's called Honda Teen Facial, for some strange reason. Where's the Honda? Where's the Teen? What kind of facial is this? It's the rusting metal. This dismembered wheels and assembly from an undercarriage. Where's the crash? Well, it's right here in this white-walled, sleek, contemporary art gallery. A lot of what Ballard wrote was about the collision of technology and human beings and the modern world. He eroticized it, but then again, the world was always eroticized. There there are people sitting at desks, working at computers, and a man shoots an aeroplane in this photograph by Chris Burden, ineffectually pointing up in the air as a plane goes over with a pistol in his hand. At about 8 a.m. on a beach near the Los Angeles International Airport, I fired several shots with a pistol at a Boeing 747, said Burden. Well, maybe that's his trophy, his wreck laying there that undercarriage on the floor. And we go straight from technology into sex. Two women kiss in a photograph of my man Ray. A beautiful, static moment. But around it, there's a kind of roaring and rearing transgressive sexual feast by the late Hans Bellmer, a German artist who didn't really get on with his father and who left Germany hating the Nazis and moved to France, was interned during the Second World War. Not for his art, but that wouldn't be surprising, but for his communist sympathies and the fact that he was a German. Bodies writhe together 
male and female, old and young, there is something awful about Belma that is also extremely compelling. Looking at this drawing in front of me, an asshole winks up at me and a young girl fellates an old man. There's more to it than that, but maybe not for this podcast. Around about this rather wondrous and awful image, there are further works, some to do with not sex, but a kind of earthwork, something buried underground. Something to do then with the subconscious. There are sex paintings by the American John Curran. A photograph of someone putting on or taking off a sock. An unfurling or unfolding. There's this idea that something terrible is about to happen. I'm on a plinth. Two different editions of Ballard's novel, Crash. It was also made into a movie, you might remember, by David Cronenberg. The American edition of the novel has a rather, I don't know, slightly hippie-ish, futuristic car. And the car is becoming a woman's body. Hmm. Men and cars. Cars as women. The phallus as the gear stick. And that's exactly what's on the cover of an English edition of Ballard's novel. A rampant red gear stick. And behind it, in rather blocky letters, the word crash, as if crash was, I don't know, a kind of Stonehenge word. A monument of a world that is, in fact, crashing. Programming the psychodrill, coded sleep and into time, neurotic low, drops the pH, coma slid in and out of the solar rig. Well, these are words actually from Ballard's notes that are framed up on the wall. You're never sure quite where you are with J.G. Ballard. You're in a world of made-up science fiction, futuristic technology, and the world that's already here. A world of, well, the world we've got, really. He seemed to have predicted what really happened. He was much less interested in space and uh, other planets than our world and the world that was becoming. He seemed to predict the future as much as he was fabulating uh, something that was never ever going to happen. And uh, I'm looking at a painting now with a sort of gravelly pinkish colour. And on it are words by Ballard. Sex times technology equals the future, it says. And doesn't it just... The world is roaring and we seem to be in a desert landscape that's full of gash technology, gantries and signage. And the launch pad of spaceships and graffiti on doors. 
It's an abandoned place in Kazakhstan where the Soviets launched their own vision of the future in this space race with the Americans. And it went on and on, this space race, ineffectually. There are boardrooms with the tables glowing with reflected light, wilting flowers, and a kind of idea of a futuristic architecture that, well, you can smell stale tobacco and people shouting at each other and we're racing along the launch pad now. This is a video by Jane and Louise Wilson recorded a few years ago in Kazakhstan and the gantries are opening up not into a view of space, but of emptiness and nothingness and a place that's utterly bleak. Ballard said that what was the point of going to the moon? It's just like an abandoned gravel quarry. There's no point in going there. The place to be is here on Earth. On the motorways. Empty motorways. The M25, perhaps, somewhere near Raysbury, or the outskirts of London, maybe somewhere near where he lived, in Shepperton, those dormitory towns encircling an ever-growing city that's always being demolished and rebuilt. And in front of me now are some photographs by Rachel Whiteread of tower blocks in Hackney. That was an idea of the future, wasn't it? And here they come, down with a wumpf and a cloud of smoke. That was a future that didn't really last. But these uh, clouds of dust that are rolling across the playing fields once the tower blocks have come down, like crashed clouds that kind of envelop the poplar trees and roll across those empty green spaces of East London. Ah, well, can you imagine the whole world going that way? It didn't happen, did it, the atomic bomb, but it might yet. Personal crises and crashes are also here in the show. And I'm looking now at a photograph by Tacita Dean of the ill-fated Tainmouth Electron, a trimaran built by Donald Crowhurst, which he attempted to sail around the world in a yacht race and never quite made it, ended up drifting around in the Sargasso Sea, sending out fake messages where he tried to fool everybody that he was really ahead of all the rest of the race. But really he was just like the ancient mariner amongst the eelgrass of the Sargasso Sea, writing letters to God, playing chess with God, imagining or lost in his own interior world. He eventually jumped overboard and died. And the Tainmouth Electron, that great hulk of fiberglass, is just abandoned to the hurricanes and the wind and the sun somewhere in the Caribbean on an island mired amongst weeds and grass. The future is here, though. 
stalagmite cities that glow in the dark that seem to be made out of, I don't know, sweets or something. These are by Mike Kelly. Ideas of cities of the future that glow in a sort of a jelly bean colour and light or a coldly crystalline flaring luminescence. Everything is being built and being destroyed at the same time. Let's keep going. Back through the space station by the Wilsons. A woman sits at a desk staring up at the fuselage or the body of a spaceship like a great phallus dangling from the wall near me now is a, a police uniform an American cop's uniform the LAPD gun in the holster this is a vast exhibition a show really that a museum should have put on but of course they neither had the resources nor perhaps the energy to put on a show like this. It's a really timely and wonderful homage to Ballard. And some of the artists have paid very direct homage to him, like Ed Ruscher, who made us painting especially for the exhibition, using a phrase by Ballard, spelled out over a mountain landscape, and it says, a fountain of spraying crystal erupted around them. Them? Who were they? The people in the car? There are crashes everywhere here. Car engine dangling in a frame, mired and completely sealed up with crystals. Must be Roger Hyons, and indeed it is. And near that, one of Ballard's favourite artists, the surrealist Paul Delvaux, but Mind your step, because on the floor, a little shiny droplets. <sighs> Looks like someone's spilled their sperm on the floor, but in fact, they're all contact lenses. Dozens of them. You could crunch them underfoot, like little magnifying glasses convex mirrors. I can see my face reflected. Uh. I'm paying homage really, aren't I? Getting down on my hands and knees in front of this Paul Delver. A strange late surrealist painting of two women who might be inside, they might be outside. Why is one of them asleep on a couch? in some dark Belgian night. Who knows? Well, that's surrealism for you, but if anything bad happens to her, there's one of Richard Prince's nurses nearby, spattered with blood. Wayward nurse, it says. Yeah, Prince has a thing about nurses and cars. And if anything really goes horribly wrong here, we could break out the... Uh, Vacuum cleaners by Jeff Koons that are sealed up in uh, a little cube of perspex. A pair of identical hoovers 
from the 1980s. Hoover convertibles, upright, stand-up Hoovers they are, in a hygienic box. Never been used, never filled their bags with dirt, never did and never will. They're underlit by fluorescent lighting. What a lot of the artists here seem to do is to make, and what artists have always done, is to make, make the world more vivid than it really is, or to show it to us in a new way, in strange ways sometimes. Francis Bacon was pretty strange, wasn't he? And the bacon here, looks, there's a figure that looks a bit like a Henry Moore on a plinth, sort of lumpy and somehow a grossly overinflated lump of body. Could belong to Hans Belmer too, couldn't it? And it sits there under a naked light bulb, one of those bacon cliches, I guess, the light bulb. But for Ballard, bacon wasn't fabulating the world or, or making things up. He was showing things as they truly were. More car crashes. Andy Warhol's this time. And then things start to get really unpleasant. With a piece by Damien Hirst from the 1990s with photographs of real mangled bodies. Feet that fit on legs at the wrong angle. Total destruction of the skull and brain in a pilot who crashed to the ground when his experimental aircraft inverted for no apparent reason and descended rapidly. You're never sure, really, what the difference is between a real report of a crash and something invented by Ballard. It seemed that he invented what was already there. He just showed us what was there in the world. The building collapsing. A cemetery at night with a tower block in the distance behind it as a backdrop. A photograph from somewhere in America. And next to that, one of those empty squares of Giorgio de Chirico with a carved woman on a plinth, casting a long shadow, two men meeting in that empty square, a train in the distance. Well, it looks like cliches, but they're not. It's really what de Chirico invented. It's a bit like being at the movies, this show, because you want to make up stories for yourself. And we're in a cinema now where a woman is waiting for the movie to begin. She's just sitting there in the front row. Wonder what she's thinking. The cinema's lit. And she's just sort of staring into nothingness. There's probably a movie going on in her head. It's a painting by Edward Hopper. Hmm. She's just waiting and will wait there forever. But. Let's see if we can go to the movies. This seems to be the way, the way in. There's a rather tacky old cinema here. Oh, the box office is all closed up. And, uh, I don't know if I should turn the lights on. But, uh, 
Ah, carpet underfoot, musty, dirty smell. Yeah. And you can see through the doors, these old wooden doors, and whatever's outside is in a sort of pale gloom. Greenish, bluish gloom inside. This really is a, a displaced interior by Mike Nelson. And I'm not entirely sure which way is out. There's lots and lots of doorways, but uh, uh, that was a good movie, wasn't it? I have my money back now. I'm falling out of the Mike Nelson. You kind of fall into a couple of Douglas Gordon's photographs, which have all been burnt away, or bits of them have been burnt away. And suddenly I see my own face superimposed on that of a Hollywood actress framed in her blonde curls and my face looks almost as much of a wreck as hers is but she looks as if something really terrible has happened to her and she's just been burnt away the whole face and there's just mirrored nothingness behind it and next to her there's Jimmy Dean James Dean who also had something terrible happen to him on in a car crash but uh, his face looks out knowingly, as if he knew what the future held for him. But of course, nobody does, do they? We none of us know what's going to happen. Not even the pig knows. The pig knows. The pig's nose. A whole pink, luscious, lovely pig. His mouth is opening and closing. His tongue lolling asleep, breathing, and his little piggy leggy weggies are kind of skating about as if he were dreaming. Do pigs dream? I bet they do. And this is a Paul McCarthy sculpture and it, the whole pig is sort of set up, this luscious, big, huge, life-size pink naked pig is set up on a sort of life support system of wires and hydraulics that just works away endlessly. His little puckered ass, her little puckered ass is there. And, uh, well, all the naughty bits are there. And the pig's tail. Nose to tail eating by Paul McCarthy. This room is uh, kind of the final one in the whole exhibition. And then you come to the end of it. On the wall, a kind of painting of an atomic explosion. And in front of that, one of Carsten Holler's realistic sculptures of an Amanita Mascara toadstool, the one that you see in all the fairy tales with the red cap with the white dots on it. And uh, if you eat these, you can die or you can hallucinate. And the whole thing is kind of florid and opening up. And it's giant and it's taller than I am, so I only need to lick it really and I might go on a weird trip. More naked ladies. And these two photographs show the body of the artist Jemima Steli. 
We did a whole series of photographs with John Hilliard. And there he is in the background with his tripod and his camera. And there she is holding a torch, illuminating her face. And she's reflected too in a mirror. Is there one nude here or two? Is that Jemima Stelly's body or some other body that's kind of interjected into the image? And there she is again on the floor, uh, lying face up. One of those behind her Hilliard again, you can see him bending over in his jeans, the body behind him, or is it in front of him? Blurry bodies, partly dismembered bodies, bodies that are available, but quite possibly dead. You wouldn't be anywhere with Ballard if they weren't for the motorways again. Here, here we are, a great American freeway, a cloverleaf. A photograph of this huge cloverleaf junction taken from the sky. But part of it's broken and crashed down onto the level below. Looks like a wonderful sculpture, really. Above it and around it, cars are just going about their business. People are going off to work or going to the shopping mall. And yet the cloverleaf is fatally wounded. Hmm. There's no blood here. I'm not sure if it's a real photograph, a photograph of a real event or one that's been fabricated. Wandering around Crash, you, um, you keep coming upon Damaged, damaged bodies, prosthetic bodies, test crash dummies, dreaming pigs, aeroplanes, rockets, science, and a world that's falling apart as much as it is kind of announcing a wonderful future. The world is getting better and at the same time worse. Um, what happens to us? Much of Ballard's fiction was very concerned with not just what happened to human bodies and when they get mangled in car crashes or when they're having sex or it's as much about what happens to us inside and of course Ballard died at a time when people are sending out their most intimate thoughts on Twitter and and through other kinds of technological ways. And you wonder what happens to private life, or if there is any private life anymore, that uh, the psyche has been turned inside out. Um, people seem to want to make their innermost fears and feelings public now. And the media feasts on the goings-on, not just of footballers, and their wives and girlfriends and movie stars and the famous celebrities of one sort. Maybe we're all becoming celebrities, but everyone seems to have a, a desire to know what everyone else is doing all the time and people more and more want to tell. And all those stray thoughts that people tap out on their iPhones and on their laptops 
and send out into the ether as their little tweets and so forth, they're going to be floating around forever like dead satellites. Will they ever crash? What's going to happen? We're back at the beginning again, or, or perhaps the end, with, uh, with this crashed undercarriage of the aeroplane. And all that, all that sex and death everywhere around us. If I look up over the doorway into the, one of the bigger galleries, there is a sign that looks as if it's been carved into the wall. And it's kind of all back to front writing. It's a phrase by Douglas Gordon. But you don't need a mirror to read it, even though it's kind of back to front. People walking past, oblivious to it, not pausing, not looking up. People laughing. You know what it says up there on the wall? It says, we are all going to die. And it's true, isn't it? And maybe it's better to die laughing rather than screaming into the motorway bridge rather than flying off the freeway or getting mangled in some extreme sexual activity crashing and burning and flaring and dreaming and sleeping God, Ballard was good. And maybe all the works in this exhibition, um, however great they are individually, they all become part of an even bigger fiction, and that was Ballard's fiction. But Ballard's fiction too was also a snapshot of the world we really live in and the world that's becoming more and more mediated and more and more and more public and more and more weird